the vibes welcome back to another episode of the hoop genius podcast brought to you by nba 2k24 make sure you go and get your copy through the link in the description it might be the only place you see the detroit pistons win a game this season so today i'm joined by two detroit natives mr bj armstrong and mr scott perry but as we're recording this on saturday so by the time that the listeners hear this on monday there is a chance that the streak 28 losses in a row could have ended they face the raptors tonight in what a lot of people are predicting will be the end of their streak but how are you both feeling how are you both coping with this are we hoping for a new year new pistons Oh, absolutely. We're open for new pistons, but uh, BJ and I were going to black out our screens. You know, you're going to talk about our Detroit yes. pistons just bad. Oh, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, hey, man, it, it, look, it, it, it's obviously very hurtful to the core. We're both native Detroiters, so we grew up p- piston fans, first and foremost. And then obviously, I worked for the organization for the better part of the decade, and that was the last time that the team was really, really good and really relevant in the league. and obviously became world champion. So to see this going on right now, uh, it's painful. Um, and I can only imagine uh, what it'd be like uh, inside that building right now. It's gotta be torture each and every day for everybody. Well, just for anyone who's unaware, the Pistons are currently on a 28 game losing streak, the longest in NBA history. The previous record, 26 games, you know, the 2011 Cavaliers and the 2014 Philadelphia 76ers lost 26 straight games. I know there was another Sixers team that had a longer streak, but that was split up between two seasons. Those two teams, though, the Cavs and the Sixers, both went on to win 19 games in those seasons in which they had those streaks. But if we look at the worst NBA records of all time, the 2012 Bobcats went 7-59. and Obviously, that was a shortened season. Uh, after the lockout, and if that wasn't an 82-game schedule, it may have been better, it may have been worse. The 73 Sixers went 9-73, and 73, rather fittingly, and the 2016 Sixers went 10-72. and 72. So the Pistons actually have the chance to make history by having the worst record across NBA history. I want to dive straight in, Scott. What moves should the Pistons be looking to make? Because clearly this isn't working. And as those terrible Sixers teams said, trust the process. I don't think this process right now, you can really trust it. Well, first of all, this team was not put together this year to be performing like this. Uh, The Pistons were looking forward to making a step forward this year and being a team that would compete, obviously with a chance to get to the playing tournament and maybe even the playoffs. That is not occurring right now. As I analyze and look at it, what I see is a roster of, I believe, like eight guys that are 22 years and younger, and then a number of reclamation projects who are younger guys on their second or third teams. And when you have that mixture and you only have two guys on your roster, really, who in Alec Burks and uh, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, who are seasoned veterans, everybody else is searching for themselves right now and trying to figure out who they are at the same time. So, it's hard, you know, obviously from a coaching standpoint, you try, you know, Monty and his group is trying to bring in a lot of co- accountability on the court. But as BJ can tell you, you need some players on the court to be able to hold each other accountable. And it's difficult when all of these young guys at the same time, and like I said, these reclamation projects at the same time, are all trying to figure it out. And I think that's what we're seeing what's happening. So in my opinion, 
they've got to make a decision and they're there every day. So they know these guys intimately better uh, than what I do right now. But figure out which one of these, which group of these young guys. And I would assume that it would start with guys like Jalen Dorn, Kay Cunningham, uh, Ivy, um, those those three guys in particular, particular as well as Asura Thompson. Uh, those are probably the guys you want to try to save in, in this scenario and go out and see what you can build to put around that group of young guys to, in, you know, enhance their skill sets and, and make the game a little bit easier for them. So, um, you know, it's a lot going on right now, a lot at stake for that team. And, uh, but they obviously can't, you know, just sit still and, and, and continue uh, along this path. Well, the, the irony is they need shooting, but perhaps their two best shooters in Bogdanovich and Burks are, as you said, Scott, they're veteran players. So it's they're, they're almost in a catch-22 because they want to trade to get better pieces around their young core. However, the players that complement their young core the best are, are the two veterans that playoff teams would be looking at acquiring and trading for at the deadline. So, BJ, in your opinion, what is the move here are they going to have to move one of these young pieces that holds a lot of value are they going to hold on to because we saw a report this week that said they don't want to move Bogdanovich um but you know they said that they were waiting to see Bogdanovich get healthy again to see what they had with that and they haven't won a game since so BJ what what's the moves that you'd be looking to make right here well you know Mo, this is a touchy subject well with me I know, because I tried to holler at you during the Celtics and, game, and, and I didn't yes, get back from you yes, for two days. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know, every day, and even today, right? I got my I got my piston stuff off, but I took it. Mm. I put my I put my sweater on top of it because I know Mo was coming <laughs> after me today, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I hold this organization, as do my good friend Scott Perry. We hold Detroit very close to our heart all the time, and even in this most difficult time. It is tough. This is a tough conversation to have because, I mean, we grew up, Scott and I remember, on Channel 50 in Detroit watching our Detroit Pistons. Channel 50, absolutely. Channel 50. This is before cable, Mo. Believe it or not, exactly. it was life yeah. before, before cable and satellite and all of that, Mo. Yeah. In Detroit, we have this theme. We can talk about our Pistons, but, the, but no one else can. Okay. So, Mo, you, you know, this is a tough theme to discuss because you know we have to be you know we we gotta you know like we like to say real name no gimmicks we gotta tell it like it is now as an NBA executive I've been very fortunate to work with young people I've been very fortunate to be part of a rebuilding type situation earlier in my career as an executive and I remember coming into this league as a young player and as much as I like to think now in my experiences, I didn't really know anything as a young player coming into this league. I didn't know about the league. I didn't know about what it took to win. I didn't even realize how difficult it was to just win a game, let alone a championship. So when you put all of these young players together, like Scott mentioned, with not a lot of experience to lead, this is a very difficult situation. As an executive, I also have the compassion for young people who play the game because I hold myself accountable is to never leave a scar on a young player. As a teacher, I never want to leave a scar on a young person, right? 
these young people don't know that that's just what it is now we can get in and they'll say well okay what's winning what we have all experienced winning so for me it's i can say oh this is what they need oh this team is awful i remember i can't ever (laughs) i used to always say this in executive meetings we can't forget how difficult it is when you get on that treadmill when you're running that 30 minutes on the trip, you can't ever forget how hard it is to get in shape. You know, I love to hear people say, oh, he's not in shape. Oh, hey, hey, that work is still, <laughs> that 30 minutes on that treadmill is still <laughs> tough to do, right? Believe me. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I don't ever want to forget how hard it is in this league. Okay, so now I want to say that, saying what's going on with this team. Now, this is a young group. And... The thing that really I discuss openly is the following. I think think I'm a pretty good evaluator of talent. I'm not saying I'm the best evaluator, but this is a team with, in my opinion, the talent does not equate to what I'm seeing. Now, that's the one thing. They have a terrific coach. They have excellent young players. And something is going on now that I know I can't see. But, and the reason I say that is because I also respect there's a difference between being in the building and then just watching on television. People who worked in this league also know there's a difference between watching a game live and scouting a game via tape. I can't pinpoint based on just my observation, how this talent is what uh, two and 20, 29, two, two and 29. Two and 29 right now. Like mm-hmm. now that one doesn't add up. Now I've seen some teams in my playing career that weren't very good. I've seen some teams in my executive career and I've seen, I've seen the start of what we now call the, the, what, what the, uh, the process, the process. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. This team is nowhere near talent wise of any of those teams. It's a complete mystery to me. Well, not not just the losing, but what is really going on? And I can't figure this out. That's why I watch, literally, I watch every single game because there's something to learn here because I don't think this team is that bad when you look at their talent. And I believe in their young talent. And, and, And here's the last thing I'll say. Scott and I were just down there in Orlando at the G League showcase. Other executives are saying the same thing. There are players on their team that other executives like. It's not like, oh, God, they're, they're just trying to tanker. Other executives like their players because Scott and I both know, and you know this too, Mo, there are always good players on bad teams. And there are people who are saying, those are good young players. So yeah. what is going on? I have no idea, but I watch every game from start to finish, and it crushed me, Mo, because I was hoping your prediction was going to come correct. It almost did. It was, the well, what you, you, Mo, your prediction was they, the, the, they were, were going to be the Celtics. Celtics would lose. Yes. Beat the Celtics, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I was so close. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And so here's the thing. BJ, you, you just said there they got a terrific coach. They've got Monty Williams. They hired him. He was obviously with the Phoenix Suns, took them to the NBA Finals. I think Monty Williams is a terrific human being because he is trying to cure America's obesity epidemic. 
Because ever since Wingstop would, said they'd give out five free wings every time the Pistons win, <laughs> he decided the Pistons are never going to win again. He said yeah. healthy eating for the whole of Detroit. We don't want to see no one in Detroit out of shape. Ah, that's Maybe he's going to go for a run at the president, I mark you. I don't know. I think he's a terrific <laughs> human. But BJ, there is no way on earth you can sit here after watching every single Detroit Pistons game and tell me he has been a terrific coach for this team this season. You know my saying. I say secure the bag. That's what Monty Williams did. 78.5 million US dollars on a six-year contract. He took that money. And now I think he's trying to get fired so that he can just go sit on the beach somewhere and count up that money. Because if we look at the facts, Maurice Cheeks, 2014, the Detroit Pistons fired him after 50 games when the team was 21 and 29. To even equal that record at which Maurice Cheeks got fired, the Pistons would now have to go on a 19-game winning streak. So I do not understand how he's still coaching the team. You, you say watch every game. I had to write down a few things that stood out to me watching these things. Because, you know, I'm not an NBA coach. I've never hired a coach like Scott has. I've never fired a coach. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've never been in those rooms like BJ has either. But there's a few things that I've seen that just kind of confused me, right? So before the uh, Celtics game, they played against the the Brooklyn Nets who decided to rest a bunch of their guys. They played a few minutes and then they just played basically two-way players and all these guys. Um, down five points with 40 seconds left in the game. Bear in mind, these are the previous four possessions. Kate Cunningham hit a layup and one. Kate Cunningham made the free throw. Kate Cunningham scored another layup. Kate Cunningham scored another layup. Then Monty Williams calls a timeout and then decides to drop a play for Alex Burks to shoot a contested three-pointer. And then I look at the, the Celtics game, right? You're up 19 at halftime. Winnable game. The Celtics are shooting ice cold. The Celtics go on a 23-7 and seven run. Monty Williams doesn't call a timeout. He waits until the lead is down to one point to call this timeout. And then you come out of timeout and he's playing an all bench lineup after the Celtics have taken all the momentum of the game, the crowd's going crazy and you come out of your timeout with an all bench lineup. But the biggest thing that confuses me is the players which he chooses to give minutes to. You talk about these reclamation projects, Scott, you've got James Wiseman trying to, you know, form a very high draft pick with the Golden State Warriors. He's clearly got a lot of talent. He's on an expiring deal right now. He's making $12 million. So are you going to give him another contract? Bearing in mind, you've got Jalen Duran, who clearly is your big man of the future. You've got Isaiah Stewart, who has a more versatile game, and he brings a toughness to your team that James Wiseman clearly doesn't. You've also got another reclamation project in Marvin Bagley. So are you really going to give a contract to James Wiseman? And if not, why is he getting significant minutes? Killian Hayes, we've seen him for a long time now in the NBA. I was a believer in his but he clearly is not cut out to be the guy starting for an NBA team as a point guard. And yet he's getting minutes despite being in the final year of his contract, whereas Jaden Ivey had his minutes cut this year. He's moved to the bench this year. These things absolutely baffle me. And I cannot see why he's not been fired already. I want one of you guys to tell me why I'm wrong. Mo, first of all, the you know, as a former coach, coach, coaching is a tough job. And I mean, you make some very valid points there in terms of, you know, paying him a lot of money. There are certain expectations that come with that money uh, with the coach. Um, but as BJ mentioned, 
when, when you're not in the building, you're not seeing the daily connection or lack thereof connection between player, coach, coach, player. That we don't know what's going on. Obviously, the results are saying something is missing right now. I think that's fair, a fair statement, a fair assessment to make. There's something missing between what is being taught and imparted and what is being received, you know, uh, by the players. Um, and when you're in the midst of losing, again, I've never been part of anything to this degree like that, but, you know, if you've been in the NBA long enough, you've been part of losing streaks and being around different coaches, good coaches, you start trying a little bit of everything to snap out of it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. So thus far, all the different things he's trying for whatever re the reasons he has. And I'm sure they're educated reasons based on the film he's studying, the games that they're, you know, playing. He's made that, you know, calculus onto, as to why he's playing certain guys and run, running certain plays. It has not worked. I will also add, I think it's incumbent upon, the, you know, when you're in this, the entire organization, what you have to try to guard against, is finger pointing as mm. tough as it is. The, hum the, the human nature says, okay, if I'm a player, I'm in, you know, I'm part of this historic realm. Well, I'm getting my points. I'm doing that's my job. It's not me. It's my fellow teammate or it's the coaches. And if your coach is a part of it, you got to guard against saying, hey, I'm telling them everything mm. they want to do, but the players aren't good enough. They're not picking it up. If I'm the general manager, I'm saying, look, I can't be saying, well, I've given them good enough players. I give them the right roster. They're just not winning. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So this is time to me where it's important to have leadership where everybody stands up, raise their hand, because everybody's accountable on this. Ownership on that. Everybody's accountable for the state of where the Pistons are right now. And you know what? Each person's got to say, what can I do better to get us out of this? versus what can my counterpart do better. And that's to me at the crux of this thing right now, as difficult as it may be, that really is the only option and solution as we sit here today. And so um, let's see, you know, go ahead. Having said all of that, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at this team and they've got great young core, Kay Cunningham, we've seen yeah. in recent games, he can be a mm -hmm. star in this league. Jaden Ivey, mm -hmm. especially that game against the Celtics, the way in which he was attacking to the hoop, attacking the offensive glass. He's an explosive guard in this league. Jalen mm -hmm. Duran, one of the best young big men in this league. Osar mm -hmm. Thompson, we've seen when he came into the league already and he's rebounding, blocking shots, getting steals, doing all the intangibles as well. You've got a great young core. At what point does the front office not step in and say, Monty, why are you not playing Asar Thompson? You give him 12 minutes. If we're going to lose, we may as well develop him and give him the, the reps in the NBA. We know he's not a great shooter. Well, Maybe give him those minutes and those reps to develop well, rather than have him sitting on the bench well, and watching Bogdanovich and Alec Burks curl off screens. What are you trying to do? Increase their trade value, but you're lowering their leverage by losing all these games. What I would say to you is Mo is this. Everybody has a different leadership style. Mm. My leadership style in particular would be in this situation. When I go hire a coach, because this is what I would want from an owner. An owner is going to hire me. He's, he's hiring my expertise. He's hiring my vision. He's hiring my experience to help put together the very best team. 
So when I hire a coach, I'm hiring a coach to coach the, these players that, that we have given him to the very best of his ability. Now, if I'm micromanaging his rotations on a daily basis, am I giving him the room to, you know, put his mark on the team, number one, but number two, that limits my evaluation capability on him. Because if I'm telling him what to do, now I really can't judge him as a coach. But yeah, it's, but it's, 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 as tough as that may be. It's 28 no. losses in a row. Not uh, oh, oh, there's, no yeah, there's, no, there's no question. No, I, I understand that part. But I'm just saying in, as a general rule of thought, when you said, you know, do you just go to the coach and tell him, I want this, you know, player A to be playing uh, because I drafted him somewhere and, and we're not winning, so he just needs to get minutes. No, you obviously you're having conversations with your coaches about, you know, what the team, what he's seeing, you, you share what you see, but ultimately you got to let him make the decision. And so then you, then ultimately as leadership, and whether it be ownership, front office, then you have to make the determination when it's time to say, you know what, this is not working. The players aren't responding to the coach. We need to make a change there. Obviously, Detroit is not in that space right now because, to your point, everything, everybody's still in place. So um, all we can do is sit here and let it play out because I wouldn't want to weigh in e any deeper because, as BJ says, and, and because I worked in the league for 23 years, I know – I'm going to give the people there that are working there the respect that they know what's going on in their building better mm -hmm. than I do as someone who's just watching every game on television. Now, again, I have a strong idea about what I'm seeing, but it doesn't mean I have the intimate, detailed knowledge that they have. Absolutely. Okay, so, so the Detroit Pistons currently a mess. Maybe they figure yeah. it out. Maybe they don't. <laughs> Maybe they need to give us a call because I've got some ideas that can help them. But yeah, a team yeah, that yeah, has yeah. managed this, to rebuild success. This, no, go ahead. It's a good taste. No, this is a good test case for you, boy. I know you. This this is G GM school for you. Yes, sir. So, yes, so sir. this is good. Well, Study them. Well, well, a team that I'm studying currently is the Oklahoma mm -hmm. City Thunder because they've successfully rebuilt. Right, they're way ahead of schedule. They're at the top of the top two of the standings in the Western Conference. Um, they're looking dangerous. They're going and beating some of the best teams in the NBA around their young core, led by Shea Goodis Alexander, who I said last week should be in the MVP conversation. Chet Holmgren obviously missed his first season, but he's coming looking like a star. Jalen Williams looking fantastic as well. And then they've got a bunch of other guys and good depth. Um, here's my question to you guys. They currently are sitting on 15 first round picks and 22 second round picks. Now of those 15 first round picks, only nine of them are guaranteed to be in the first round. Some of them, because they're protected, may convey to become second round picks down the line. You don't have enough roster spots to draft all those players. Right now, the West is looking wide open. We've talked a lot on this show about parity of the league right now. You're looking great. You're looking strong. The trade deadline is just a, a month and a bit away. Do you trade in some of those chips and go get a piece that's going to cement you as a contender in this league? Or do you sit pat and, because we know Oklahoma has had this problem before, of having the money to pay the guys they've drafted. They had to let James Harden go because they couldn't afford to keep him around. Do you stand pat and use those draft picks to surround your core with cheap talent on rookie scale contracts as you progress through the league and their development? What would you guys be looking at doing? BJ, if you were the 
general manager of the OKC Thunder right now. Is there a player that would be on your radar that you want to try and get? A popular name is Laurie Markinen. He's kind of young on, on the younger end of the stars in the league and could complement their games of their core three players very nicely. Well, when you're in the NBA, how do, how do, how do I put this? When you're in the NBA, it's a day-to-day process. You know, I, you hear players say that we're going to take it one game at a time. And people say, oh, this is a cliche. And people are just saying these things. What I've learned being in the NBA is it truly is a day-to-day, an hour-hour, minute-by-minute process. Things turn very quickly. So I became very principled in my dealings with the NBA. If I were in the Oklahoma City building down there and our and our good friend Sam Presti, you know, I learned this from my days working in the NBA. You never trust happiness. When things are going good, <laughs> it's when I is when I am I am I, I I'm almost paranoid when things are nervous. going good. Yes, I'm nervous. I think that's probably a better word. That's how I live even inside the NBA, BJ. I never trust happiness. So the first thing, when you started saying all of those things, Mo, I got really nervous (laughs) sitting here. Like, I I got really nervous. I was like, okay, they got Shea Alexander, first team All-NBA, and then now people are talking about Chet and... And then Williams. Williams, Williams. Well, that might be a reason to trade. Because if you can't trust okay. happiness of what this team's currently doing, adding more to your roster may be a contingency plan for when this happiness runs out. Okay, that's fine. Okay, that. However, you made me really nervous because all of a sudden, Mo, the only thing you didn't say is when they're winning the championship. That's basically where you were you were getting to. And yep. you <laughs> and as things happen in this league, you know, it's like being in a series. You can be up. 2-0 and everything feels good. And before you know it, you're down 3-2 in the series. Or an ankle sprain, or maybe someone has a bad game or two. Things change quickly. So if I'm the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, I just continue on my path. I keep my head down. I'm interested to see what type of ground athlete Chet is going to become. And what I mean by that is, We know this young man has the capability to rim protect right now. However, when you start advancing and playing playoff brand of basketball or playoff brand of basketball, that game takes place on the ground. And right now, Chet has no chance versus Jokic and those other type of players. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how this team is going to continue to progress because they're going to continue to grow individually. They're going to have to continue to grow as a team. But more importantly, they're going to have to make now financial commitments in a small market. And that comes with this own set of challenges and things they have to do. Do I like their young talent? Absolutely. Okay. They have a phenomenal young player in Shea Alexander who plays downhill. He takes advantage of the way the game is currently played. And he is one of, if not the best, young guard right now who takes advantage with his size to play downhill. I don't know what they're going to do and who they're going to commit to, but what we know is when you have a young player, if, for instance, this kid, uh, Williams, is Jalen Williams? Is that, yeah. that Jalen yeah, Williams? They've got two Jalen Williams right okay, there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jalen Williams, the guard. Jada. I just watched him. Yeah, oh. yeah, he just had a, a career night the other night. Yeah, they, like call, they call him Jada, BJ. They call him Jada. Oh, they call him Jada. Okay, Jada. Okay. 
we have to make sure that if you add another player, like say like Laurie Marketing, is that player going to impede on his progress and development as a player? So before you start adding pieces, you got to make sure that the players that you have are where they're going to be in that window of opportunity that you have a chance to win. Shea Alexander, as great as he is right now, he is going to have to continue to grow because at some point here, they're going to start walling off his ability to play the way he currently plays. Mm -hmm. Chad Holmgren is going to have to be a different player than he let, currently let is right this. now. With what the Spurs are doing with Wembenyama and wanting to try play him at a four, do you think it'd be good for the OKC Thunder to bring in a center and then basically shift everyone down in the lineup? So Jalen Williams goes from playing the four to playing the three. Lou Dort goes from playing well, the three to playing the two. Why and are Chase you going to make me go because, back here? Because so, then you have a bigger player at every position across the board. Okay. Mo, you've heard me say this a thousand times, but I want to say this again to our audience. These players have to figure out which which position they can defend. That's how you construct a team. Yes. Okay. But this is just I, what you said. Chet Holmgren yes. can't guard the Jokic's and the Embiid's of the no, world. No, no, so no. Currently today, he can't. Currently. But that doesn't mean tomorrow he cannot do it. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a different player over the summer. Mo, every year, you and I, I and I'm going to make fun of all the Instagram posts, Everyone's <laughs> grinding and all of these things. He's going to be a different player. Our job as executives is to determine who he can be, who he's going to be, who we need him to be. Right now, we see this clay of potential. We're saying, oh, wow, he could be. Is his body capable of carrying weight? Scott and I, if we were there, we would have to determine that. We would have to determine financially in that market, blah, 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 and all, all these other things. So again, currently today, there's no one on planet Earth probably that can handle Jokic one-on-one -on -one right now. <laughs> okay, mm -hmm. so that's no big deal. However, we're going to have to figure out if Jokic is healthy and everything stays the same, meaning everyone's available, we're going to have to figure out because all roles are going to lead through the Denver Nuggets. Okay. So in saying that, they have to figure out which position he can defend best and which will give the team the best opportunity to win a championship. Those are the things that the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to have to determine with their team. You went mentioned Wim, you mentioned Wimbenyama. You know, I've been watching him. I watched him the other night. I think it was against the Portland Trailblazers. They starting him at the five now. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Let, let, so one night he's at the three. This night he's at the five. And he has 30 with like eight block shots. And I thought, that's fascinating. Like you got a guy who's mm -hmm. at the three position, can play the five and give you 30 with eight block shots and double digit rebounds. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a fascinating, like, what do you say to that, Scott, <laughs> when your small forward suddenly moves over to the position versus what, like a player like Aiton or whoever's there at that night at the center position, and you're saying he can get you 38 on the road and a win. Mm -hmm. So these are the things you're going to have to determine. But more importantly, the player is going to have is going to have to determine, does he want to play as a five? 
does he want to play as a three or four? Which mm-hmm. is going to give them the best? So these are all the, these are complicated problems because sometimes we as executives may have a different view of the player and he may not view himself that way and vice versa. So these are all things that you have to take into account as you are evaluating your own team. And that's why mm-hmm. I think in my heyday as a player, the executives didn't travel every with every game. Scott and these guys, they travel to every single game now to evaluate these teams and practice. That just didn't happen in my era as a player, but as an executive now, it's a different it's a different day and you're constantly evaluating your team. Yeah, Scott, you know, 23 years experience in this league, you've seen it all, you've done it all, won championships, mm-hmm. built teams, built mm-hmm. great rosters. Um, if you're OKC right now, are you trading for a big piece that can help you contend truly this season? Or are you, like BJ said, letting the guys figure out who they are first? To be honest with you, I'm open and flexible at this point with that. If something was to present itself that I felt was good enough to come in with what the young core that I have and it was going to move the needle forward without, um, you know, infringing upon or sacrificing that young core that I'm obviously committed to, uh, then, you know, you'd be open to it. But I'm also open to watching this team play out as it's constructed this year to uh, maybe instruct my moves on what we do in the off season. You made a very valid point at the beginning. Uh, you know, they have a lot of draft picks, but you can only bring so many young players in there now. At some point you got to, you know, you're going to, Put your feet in the in, in the in the ground and cement. And say, okay, we're going to build with this group here and try to win the championship. You've got an elite point guard in in Shea Gilgis Alexander. You have what you believe is an emerging big man. Whether you want to call him a center or power forward right now, it's not established. But that, in, in Chet Holmgren, uh, Jalen Williams is a, is a, emerging as a, a very good and reliable third option on that team. Overall, as I assess their team, I think they are. They can shoot the basketball, their offensive team. They probably a little more on the finesse side as a group. You know, could they use more depth even? Even if it's not a starter, could they use more depth behind some of those guys up front to play against those physical teams, to, to bring six fouls in if, you know, if someone's backing up um, Chet Holmgren right now, to to play uh, Jokic physical for 10, 15 minutes in a game or something. Uh, you're looking at all those things, and I think they may be able to use a, a, a maybe another wing player who's very athletic and who could defend multiple positions. So I would be kind of looking at more the ingredients right now, what, is, what I think is missing on my team to potentially add at the deadline. But I, w- I wouldn't, I don't think that they're going to be compelled that we have to do something at the deadline this year because they're in a good position, they're in a good place right now. But I do think, and 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 uh, my guess with Sam and just knowing him and knowing his history, he will you know have his eyes open and he he will definitely uh, be in tune to what may or may not be available uh, prior to the deadline. Well, Scott, you know I love getting your opinion on my trades, so I'm I'm gonna think of some, and next week we can come back and I'm gonna give you a few options okay. for you to evaluate. That'd be all, yeah, yeah. To wrap That'd up all... this episode, tell me which team you are tuning in on this season bj let's start with you who are you focusing in on this week as the new year begins is it a team trying to turn a new leaf 
Which team are you looking at? I'm focusing in on new. That's my term. It's a new year. (laughs) It's a a new (laughs) me. (laughs) And I'm focusing in on this new new. super talent. (laughs) And this new super talent is Victor Wimbenyama. New year, same BJ Armstrong. (laughs) Yes. I'm going in on the third straight year we've been focusing on Vic. (laughs) It it is. I'm I'm beginning to watch this young man kind of settle in. He looks like he's just going to settle in. As, as he's just a big, you know. I'm just going to call him a big. I don't know what position he's going to really settle in. I don't I don't really think he's a position. You can give him a position. So right. Victor Wimbenyama, to me, I'm looking for the San Antonio Spurs in this year to say, okay, let's start putting him in situations where he's going to cause the center's position. He's he's going to cause teams to figure out how to defend the center position in a different capacity that I don't think we've seen. Because he's not a stretch five. He can actually shoot. He's skilled enough to pass from that position off the dribble. There's only other one, really, I guess you can say Embiid as well, but Jokic is the only other guy that can do that. But Jokic isn't as versatile as he is. So I'm looking at Wimbenyama coming out. As you guys know, I I, I, I am fascinated with having five seven footers. So I'm returning <laughs> back to my 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 New that, Year's that's my wish. BJ Armstrong. Yeah, so that's it. That's Victor it. Wimbenyama, go ahead, big fella. Go ahead and give me 30 every night. <laughs> 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 Before I tell you my team real quick, uh Mo, this one thing I saw Joel Embiid said after they hit played uh San Antonio. He said Victor's, you know, excellent talent. He said, it's gonna be interesting to see does who does he want to be? Does he want to be me or Kevin Durant? And I thought that was kind of an interesting statement. Cause like I, I, I thought that was interesting style. too. Like see, too. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to be one of the greatest scorers of all time or do you want to be a perennial flopper who can't make it out of the second round of the playoffs? <laughs> Choose wisely, Victor. <laughs> Choose wisely. <laughs> I, I set myself up for that. Yeah, you moment. did. You did. <laughs> but it was a great point. It was a great exactly. point. But here's it was a great thing. point though. Here's yeah. the thing. I don't think that statement is entirely true because say he does opt to be Kevin Durant. He can mm-hmm. opt to be Kevin Durant on offense and still get eight blocks for you on defense, which oh, Kevin no Durant question. can't no do. Question. You know what no, I mean? yeah, yeah, no uh, question. And, and the same with Embiid. Like, you could be Embiid, mm-hmm. but you could be Embiid just up a whole other level with the versatility from the perimeter with improved yeah. speed and agility. So yeah. I thought that yeah. was that was a fascinating comment for Embiid to make. Um, mm-hmm. But which team are you looking at this week as we go into the new year? I, I'm going to look at the Phoenix Suns, and I'm uh, wishing Bradley Beal... Good health. I see he just came back uh, last night. Uh, I read where Devin Booker said, and it was great having him on the court. Felt like the the ball was really moving and hopping around the floor. That He felt good about it, and that he felt that the offense was really going to be able to click as long as Bradley can stay healthy. So I think what I want, hopefully, at least for this coming week, we can see those guys playing 30-plus minutes together and see what that really looks like for this team moving forward. They're helping, you know, this is game over 500 right now. So they're in a disappointed position from where they were projected to be and where they projected themselves to be. So can they start ascending up 
the conference ladder in, in the Western Conference. And I'm going to be watching closely uh, to watch those three and how they mesh and come together and, and do they improve this team quickly. Yeah, they have been slightly below expectations. A big reason of that is health. But a team that has surpassed expectations, uh, even in the face of injuries, is, I hate to say this, but every year they do it, um, the Miami Heat, currently on a four-game winning streak. This week, they face the Jazz, Clippers, Lakers, and Suns, which I think is a good mixed bag of to test them out um, and a nice little a nice little trip for them um, to go and test themselves against these guys over on the West Coast. Um, but if they can get some momentum here, they're already fourth in the Eastern Conference. And as we head into the new year, you've got to trade that land, but the playoffs are going to be here before you know it. And I know a lot of teams in the East are going to be afraid of facing the Miami Heat once again, because somehow, some way, even with a bad, in, in quotation marks, offseason, not getting Bradley Beal, not getting Dave Lillard and whatnot, They've still managed, Coach Bolster and Pat Riley have managed to figure this out. And they just they just have guys. They, they just have guys that come and contribute. They just play the right way and, and they get it done. So I'm interested to see how they do out on the West Coast. Um, little little road trip. They managed to beat the Warriors uh, the other night. So we're going to see how that goes. Um, but stay with us this week, the Hoop Genius Podcast. We've got a lot to talk about. So make sure you stay locked in, subscribe across YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And most importantly... Get buckets.